Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you never stop working. Never stop working. You did not stop working when the pandemic started. You did not stop working when we couldn't meet in person. You will not stop working. So today we give you praise and thanks for walking with us every step of the way. And we thank you for bringing us to this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So where you guys been? At home. I'm just kidding. Man, it's good to see you, those of you who are in the room, and for those of you who are watching online, we welcome you as well. Today is an exciting day. It is our first in-person service in our building on a Sunday morning, and I was told today 554 days. That is a year and a half. It has been a long time, longer than any of us expected. And when I uh, did the math on what those days were, uh, I just thought for fun, thinking about what I'm going to talk about, uh, I'll just go to a scripture using some of those numbers and see what's in there. So 554, by the way, that's not really like a theologically great way to see what God is saying. I'm not but just for fun, that's what I did. So I went to Psalm 55, verse 4 and 5. And it said, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. And I can't stop shaking. And I thought, that's not really going to preach. Didn't really work out. Actually, though, not a bad place to start for being realistic, because in our world, there's a lot to be scared of. There's been a lot of fear over the last 18 months, and it didn't start in the last 18 months. There's a lot of anxiety in our world. There's a lot of things we can't control. There's a lot of things that we struggle with and, and, and that kind of take our breath away, that steal our peace and steal our emotions. And so read those verses, and we go, that's not super encouraging. So maybe we need to start there and make sure we don't finish there today. Today's going to be a celebration. We're going to celebrate communion together. And uh, <laughs> we do that because celebrations are what uh, encourage us. They give us strength. They remind us what's important. Do you know the word celebration? It comes from the same word that we have for celebrity. And a celebrity is somebody who's famous. It's somebody that uh, we all know, that we pay attention to. And that's really what celebrations are about, making moments famous making those special moments ones that we pay attention to because they are the ones that give us strength, that remind us what is important, that, that push us forward into the future. And so today we are going to celebrate, and specifically we're going to celebrate communion because we're going to be talking about the presence of God and that God has always been with us. You know, today we are not going to celebrate that we're exactly where we want to be. I wish I could get up here and tell you the pandemic is over, life is going back uh, just to the normal that we were all used to 18 months ago. Everything's going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be a magic wand and everything will go uh, back to an easier rhythm in life and all that kind of stuff. But I can't tell you that. We know that that's not realistic and that's just not how things are and that's not what we're going to be. And so today we're not celebrating that we are where we want to be, but we're celebrating that God got us to where we are, that God has walked with us every step of the way, that he's always been working, that he's never left us, and that he has walked us all the way to this day. And as we celebrate that, and as we celebrate the presence of God in every circumstances that we've had, it reminds us that whatever we will face, wherever we will go, God will continue to walk with us. He invites us to walk with him. He will continue to work. And that is what gives us confidence 
And so we might start at a place where we will say, I can resonate with these words. My, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. And I can't stop shaking because most of us, all of us, have had those moments in our lives one way or another. But today we celebrate that God is always with us. You have a Bible and you want to join us in Psalm chapter 46. That's where we're, we're going to be. And I'd love for you to read along and uh, take some notes. This really powerful psalm as, as we reflect on the presence of God. Here's how it starts. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The first three verses of this psalm, there is a great contrast. We'll come back to the first verse in just a second. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But then we move to uh, this, this section, a couple of verses, that talks about things that are not supposed to move or give way that move and give way. That is very unsettling. I'm sure you could probably think about things in your life that you wish had never changed, had never shifted, had never moved. Times where you thought what gave you security was no longer in play for you for one reason or another. So we have these pictures that the psalmist wants to picture in our minds. So we will not fear, though the earth gives way. You know, the earth has a couple of jobs. One of the big jobs of the earth or the ground is to be the ground. We're supposed to be able to stand on it. It's not supposed to move. We need it there. If it's not there still standing beneath us, then we have nowhere to stand. That's incredibly unsettling. What about mountains moved into the heart of the sea? A mountain is one of the strongest things we can imagine. We look at these big, huge, towering mountains. This rock that's been there like forever. You go, that's not supposed to move anywhere. That's one of the most stable things that we could ever imagine when you look at that, a huge mountain. You go, that, what a mountain does is just stay there. That's, that's what a mountain does, just like the ground. It's supposed to be the ground. A mountain just stays there and looks big and strong and intimidating. But what happens when it's moved into the heart of the sea? The sea in biblical literature is often symbolic of chaos. So what happens when your security turns into chaos? Chaos is all around you. More water imagery, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains again tremble at its swelling. So now you have water. A lot of us like water. You know, you sit beside a, a, a trickling brook, and it's nice and relaxing. Or on the edge of a, a lake somewhere, and you go, oh, this is tranquil. But not when it's roaring and foaming. When it's roaring and foaming, that's dangerous. That's, don't go in there. Be careful. Don't go close to the edge. What if somebody falls in? What if somebody jumps in? Now we're into an emergency mode. So we have all of these different imageries. We're supposed to think of things that could be very stable or peaceful, life-giving, are now shifting. What happens when all of your security shifts, your safety shifts? When you're afraid. Well, the verse 2 said, therefore, we will not fear. So notice this. The psalm doesn't say... We won't be afraid when things are good, when mountains are mountains and the ground is beneath your feet and holding you up and, and, and there's a nice trickling brook next to you on you know, vacation. Then we'll not fear. Well, that's not that difficult. But therefore, we will not fear when all of these things go to chaos, when our circumstances are crazy, when we don't see the way forward when we're not sure we're going to be able to get through, when we're tired, when we're exhausted, when we're in crisis, when there's an emergency. 
So why would we not be afraid? I'll give you three reasons why not to be afraid. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Number one reason not to be afraid, because God is our peace. It says he is our refuge. That is, he is a safe place to go. Later in this psalm, uh, it's going to say that he is our fortress. And so picture a, a huge fortress, big walls fortified. The whole point is that these walls in the fortress, you can stay in the fortress, and when enemies come, you will be protected. God is our safe place to run to when everything else is not safe. He is our safe place. Whatever our enemies are, and part of what we do when we read the Psalms is we, we, we put our enemies here. So it might not be a literal mountain going into the sea or a, a literal uh, river that's flowing too fast and too hard or literal ground that's falling, but it might be your financial situation. It might be your job situation. It might be something going on in your family or your marriage or relationship that's important to you. You go, in those times, God is our safe place to run. When there's no other safe place to go or limited safe place to go, God is our safe place. He wants to protect us. We can run to him and trust him. Number two reason not to be afraid, because God is our power. It says literally our strength. In other words, he's able to make a difference in our lives. He's able to change things that we can't change. He's able to work on things that we can't accomplish. He's always working even when we're not working. And even when we can't affect change in our own lives, we can trust that God can make those changes. Number three, God is present. It says in that verse that he is our very present help in trouble. Uh, that word, uh, little phrase, very present, uh, literally it comes from, uh, originally written in Hebrew, it comes from a word that means to find. And so it means that when you're in trouble or when there's evil, God is very findable. He's encounterable. He is meetable. He comes to us. He's ever-present in our lives. In trouble and anxiety and evil times, he is readily available to us. He always is. I mean, he always is. But maybe even more so, we might come to know that he is with us in our times of trouble, in our times of need. In our desperation, we notice a little bit more that he's there. Here's why we need those reminders. We've already said it, but there's things to be afraid of, to be anxious of. And here's, here's the problem. We come to certain days, and I don't know what today is like for you. I know some of us are probably nervous, those of us who are in the room. Maybe it's the first time you've been in a group like this in a very long time. Some of us are, are at home still, uh, and, and, you know, this for me is a, a great day, a day to, to start to work back towards being in person. I have so many people here is, is a huge thing. It's exciting. It, it, sh it reminds me that there's progress being made, uh, and I'm very excited for what the future holds. But, but what happens in our lives is we obviously go through ups and downs, and there's times where we think everything's good, and I have confidence, and I feel good, and, you know, I, I'm optimistic. But then... The ground gives way again, or the mountain is thrown into the sea, or the, the, the roaring and the foaming of the water steals our attention. And in those moments, all of a sudden, we are tempted to, to do three things. And these are, this is why we need the reminders, because it's easy for us to be afraid. That's why we come to that verse, and it says, therefore, because of who God is, we will not be afraid. Why do we need to be reminded? Because it's easy to be afraid. It's easy to forget that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present in our times of trouble, when we have times of trouble. Secondly, in one way that some of us respond to our fear is in anxiety. And so we need to be reminded in our anxiety when we're worried. 
when we're struggling with being optimistic, when all we see is the reasons why we should be afraid and why we should be worried and why we're struggling. For some of us, that really paralyzes us. The anxiety washes over us and we don't know what to do and, and it saps our energy and, and we don't know, to, don't know how to act in a productive way anymore. Others of us, and this is the third reason, we go the other way and I think both of these, um, number two and number three, really come from number one when we're afraid. But number three reason uh, is because it's, it's easy to be angry. And so some of us, we go to anxiety. Oh, I'm worried. I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking about others of us, we kind of lash out. I'm mad. I need somebody to blame. This has to be somebody's fault. This has to be, you know, this is uh, something against me and I'm going to fight back against it. And maybe you lean towards one or the other ends of the spectrum. But those are very common ways of us dealing with our fear. And actually, our fear is a greater threat than our circumstances. Truly. Living in fear, making decisions out of fear, operating in fear is a greater threat to us than what we're actually afraid of. You know, being afraid, uh, it's actually a really powerful part of being human. It's because we can see into the future that we're afraid. I mean, not like crystal ball scene of the future, but I mean, we can reasonably predict certain things. We can see danger coming. We can see uh, things that, that uh, threats that might come against us coming a lot of times before they actually come. And that's good because it helps us protect ourselves. But the scary end of it is, is fear because we go, well, what if that actually happens? And, and what if this threat is actualized? And, and what if I'm vulnerable and all these kind of things? And so then we end up living in fear even before those things happen, or those things might never happen, the things that we worry most about or are angry most about, but we're already living in a reality like it's already happened. And so we need to fight fear because, by the way, we cannot control all of our circumstances, but we can control our response to them. We cannot control a lot of things. That's why we're afraid. We cannot control uh, the, the world. We cannot control the pandemic. We cannot control what other people think of us or what other people do or what other people say. We cannot control the government, although a lot of us have one vote tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. If you know who to vote for, let me know. There's so much we're out of control of. And so we need to acknowledge that. I'm not in control of everything, but I'm in control of my response to it. And so... We can work on our fear even when we can't control our circumstances. And where do we start? Well, we start with not our power, but the fact that God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help. He's our peace. He's our power. And he is our, he's present with us. He's always present with us. So then in verse 4 in this psalm, we, we sort of shift gears. And we get a picture now as we've, we've gone from, wow, like mountains being thrown into the sea. And now we get a picture of the city of Jerusalem, which is the capital city for the, the Jewish people at the time, uh, where the temple was. The temple was very much like a fortress with big walls, with protection. It was the place where they believed God's uh, concentrated presence was, where they went to worship and to sacrifice and to be together in community and to be reminded of all these. In fact, when you read verse 1 in this psalm, a lot of those people at that time would have thought, oh, this sounds like the temple where God is. So then talking about that, it says there's a river that's not foaming and rushing, but a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. That's where God is present. So much more peaceful. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Take a breath there. I mean, especially if you've seen some mountains move. And it's really throwing you off. You're trying to recover from that. 
trying to figure out where your stability is because all of a sudden the things that you thought would never move, moved. She shall not be moved. This is security. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The world is still raging. The kingdoms totter. Some are up, some are down. He, God, utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts uh, is, is a way of talking about the commander of the heavenly army, the angel army, the spiritual forces that are working that we most often do not see. But the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob, Jacob, uh, another uh, way of talking about Israel, he was Jacob renamed Israel, uh, and that means the God who has covenanted himself, promised himself to his people. In this case, the people of Israel, and as we will talk about in a few minutes, uh, also for us. The God who has promised himself to us, promised to, to be, well, how do we know that the Lord, uh, the Lord of hosts is with us? Well, because he's promised, he's covenanted. A covenant you don't break. A covenant, the only way you break a covenant is by death. So you get out of it. It's a lifelong thing. And this is the security that comes with being part of God's people. So verse 8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fires. So come, and this is really important for us. This is a great application. Come and behold the works of the Lord. Wise people do this. Behold, look, remember, celebrate, make this moment famous, the things that God does. Why? Because you're going to need to remember this when another mountain gets thrown in the sea. Behold the works of God because it's too easy to go out into the world and get kind of flattened down again by our circumstances and to forget that God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in times of trouble. We need to remember this is what wise people do. Remember the works of God. Remember how after 554 days, God brought us back together. Remember how the world completely shifted. And I'll tell you, in church world, people were panicking. How are churches going to survive when we can't get together in groups? That's kind of what we do. But guess what we've learned? The church is resilient. The church is not going anywhere. God is not stopping working through his people across the world no matter what happens. We need to remember that. Because there's going to be another time that's going to come and threaten our peace. And we're going to have to go back and say, yeah, but do you remember how crazy 2020 was? Do you remember how crazy 2021 was? And do you remember how God walked with us every step of the way? you got to remember that. Because we're going to need that later for strength. We're going to need that later for encouragement. Some of us, we need that right now. Because we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of some crisis, some hurt, some pain. Something that's telling us you can't be at peace right now because of your circumstances. And you go, well, I'll tell you what to my circumstances. That's great. You throw that mountain into the sea. But my mountain is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. It's my God who's covenanted himself to me by grace. We got to remember that. That's why we make today famous. That's why we celebrate today and other days. That's why you celebrate your anniversary. If you have one coming up, it's a good reminder. Don't forget your anniversary. That's why we celebrate birthdays. Reminder that people are, the people who are, we love are important to us and they make a difference in our lives and we're grateful for them. It says that God has brought desolation on the earth. In this case, the desolation is against the threats. We see that in the next verse. 
right? He stops wars. He breaks uh, the weapons of war. He burns the chair. We're not going to need this anymore. We're at peace with God. He's our safe place. We run to him. And then verse 10 we come to, and the perspective changes. So far, we've had all God in second person, right? He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our ever-present. Help in times of trouble. He, 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 he's over there. Now in verse 10, this is where I want to just spend a minute of, uh, of us listening to God. We hear from God, God's perspective. All of a sudden, it changes, and we hear right from uh, his perspective. And this is what he tells us. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In other words, it will be proven that none of the other, these other powers that rage and teeter and totter and go to war and threaten our livelihood, none of those things are God. Be still and know I am God. How often in your week, every week, are you still? Because uh, this is, I think, so, it's just so powerful. When our circumstances tell us to be stressed, God tells us to be still. You have to be stressed. You can't be at peace. You have to be worried. You have to be angry. You have to be afraid. Be stressed. And God says, no, be still. Because your circumstances are not your God. Your struggles are not God. The things that are, the powers that are raging to take away peace, whatever they are, whether they're they're people or governments or viruses or other illnesses, whatever they are, they are not God. They are not more powerful than God. So they tell you to be stressed. God tells you, be still. How often are you still in your week? Wow, my life is so, so loud, so hurried. Be still. And in that stillness, God says, and know that I am God. I got this. I'm working. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. Be still. I want to, um, I want to, I want to share an application with you. This comes from uh, an author named Richard Foster, who I really like on spiritual disciplines, and talks about a way that we can um, meditate on Scripture, meditate on uh, the Word of God, uh, in just a real practical way that I want to offer to you today. And uh, I want us to do this a little bit together here today, but I would, I would really encourage you uh, to spend some time every day this week doing this. It's called Palms Down, Palms Up. It's simple. It's powerful. It's a way to help us to be still. So uh, here's what you do. You sit in a comfortable chair, upright. Invite God to speak to you. And then as you think about all the things that are stressing you out, all the things that are worrying, all the mountains that are being thrown into the seas or all the raging waters that are coming by, uh, just take your hands. And if you're sitting down, uh, maybe you'll just put them on your knees, palms open, down. You can do it right now. This is a posture of letting go, of surrender. And so as your worries and stresses come to your mind, maybe they're very emotional for you. You're going to say specific prayers and to let them go. God, I want to let go my fear of our financial situation, of my job situation. I want to let go of the anger that I have towards whoever. God, I want to let go of the 
crippling anxiety that I have in whatever situation, be specific. Take some quiet moments. Be still. Picture in your mind, maybe you have uh, word pictures that, that go with those, those thoughts that come to your mind. Maybe you'll picture them getting a little bit smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until they seep away. After you spend a few quiet moments being still and letting those things go, surrendering those things, just be quiet. Perhaps God will speak to you and give you some sort of impression that he, he wants for you. Perhaps it'll just be quiet. So be still. God says, no, that I am God. After a few quiet moments, turn your palms over, palms up. And where you've just released uh, and let go and surrendered of many of those things troubling of you, now it's time to receive. So once again, you'll pray specifically, God, I want to receive your forgiveness for the way that I, I lashed out in my anger towards so-and-so. I want to receive your peace over our financial situation and know that you are our provider. God, I want to receive your protection over our family and some of the things that we might be working through, going through. Again, spend some quiet moments. Allow God to speak to you. Maybe it'll just be quiet. And what a gift to be still in God's presence. You know, Jesus' disciples, uh, if you read the stories of the disciples, uh, they were afraid all the time. Jesus had to tell them, remind them all the time, don't be afraid. In fact, I, I, I have read, although I haven't counted myself, that the most common command in Scripture is do not be afraid. Some say 365 times in Scripture, one for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. More than anything else, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know the disciples, these guys are walking around with Jesus all, all day, every day, and they're always afraid. And they come to a crowd. Everybody gets hungry. They go, we're, we're afraid that there's no food. How are we going to feed these people? We're afraid that we don't have enough. They're on a boat. Jesus is sleeping, and a storm comes. They're afraid. And they wake up Jesus, like, how are you sleeping, Jesus? How are you so confident? They're afraid. Jesus gets arrested, and they're going to crucify him, and all of his disciples run away. They're afraid. They run away. They abandon him. This is his closest disciples and followers. Oh, so afraid. You know what's amazing is these same guys, at least 11 out of 12 of them, not that much later, are the ones who launched the early church changed the entire world. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've got to acknowledge that. The entire world's been changed by Christianity and the church that has grown for the last 2,000 years. And reportedly, we have stories that almost all of them died by being persecuted for following Jesus. And so where they went from being afraid of every little thing to now I can, I can literally give my life courageously for the cause, you go, what happened to you? What happened to your mountains being thrown into the sea? What happened to the ground that literally, not literally, but gave way beneath your feet? How did you, how did you become so strong and so courageous and so brave? And the only thing that I can uh, really figure out as I read those stories is because they saw Jesus crucified, they saw him defeat. All of the enemies that they couldn't defeat on their own, namely sin and death, and then he came out on the other side, raised to life. 
And all of a sudden, these guys who were afraid of everything had great confidence that God would provide everything for them and care for them, and that they could even give their life to him, literally. So today we're going to celebrate that. I was thinking, uh, when I was writing this message, I was like, oh man, we need a symbol. We need like something that we can really celebrate to make this famous, you know, like some kind of illustration maybe I could give everybody so that when you walk out here, it's like you have a rock and you go, oh yeah, God is my rock and whatever. And I'm like, Jesus gave us a symbol. He sat down with his disciples and he broke bread. He gave it to them and he said, take this and eat it. This is my body given for you. And then he took a cup of wine and he distributed it. He says, this is my blood of the covenant. I'm coveting myself to you, promising myself to you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it. And you keep doing this because you need to be reminded what this psalm says over and over and over, surely in the last verse. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Where is God in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my struggle? Where is God when we can't meet in person in church or we're at home or we're doing this or that? Where, where when we're in crisis? Where when we have an emergency? Where when we're stressed out? He's in us. He's in us. And this is the symbol, the bread and the wine. It says, this is my body, strength for the journey. This is my blood, forgiveness of sin. So if you're at home, we would invite you, even if you have to pause this, grab a little piece of bread uh, and some juice, grape juice, or wine, or a cracker, whatever you have. If you're in person, we have uh, one of these pre-packaged little wafers and juice for you. They're in the chair uh, just in front of you. There's a little holder in the rack below. If you go grab that, if you'd like to participate in communion today. And this is our, this is our first time using these. This is pandemic communion. No reaching into the same bowl this week. Um, on the top, there's two tabs for you to rip off. On the top, there's one very thin, transparent top. And if you take that off, there's a little wafer. And then there's another tab to pull off for the juice. If you would take the first one off and just take the wafer now. I can't tell you how much I've missed this. Because if you're a follower of Christ, this is who you are. You are what you eat. This is who we are together. This is our symbol. This is our reminder. This is how we make the cross and the resurrection of Jesus famous in our lives for whatever we go out from, into, in the world. So this is a, a palms up moment. And if you can, you can just put your palms up and put the little wafer in there if, if you have a hand free. You receive strength. Jesus says, this is my body. Take it and eat it. Bread is what strengthens us. It's a staple. It gives us energy. You say, man, I'm exhausted. Man, this has gone too long. Man, you don't know the challenges. And it just, it's just so hard. I'm physically exhausted or I'm emotionally exhausted or I'm spiritually exhausted. This is strength for the journey, the body of Christ. And so he took it and he gave it to them and he said, eat. Thank you, Jesus, for your body given for us. Everything that you have sacrificed for us so that we could keep going. Amen. And then he took the cup. And in the same way, if you just want to uh, remove that tab, it might be a little tougher, literally, but uh, palms open. You might want to take a quick moment in your mind to confess any sin that you know of in your life. You know, there's, it's, it's 
moment of repentance, a moment to say, I want to align myself with God. And there are things in my life that don't align. So right where you are at home, here in the room, just even mentally, to go before God in prayer and say, God, I, that's my palms down moment. I'm, I'm giving up this sin. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm giving up my guilt. I'm giving up my shame. And then go palms up. Hold it in your hand. This is the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. This is what makes us whole. So it reminds us we are forgiven because Christ has died for us. And so we receive that forgiveness. We receive that grace. Jesus took the cup and after he gave thanks, he said, drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many of the forgiveness of sins. So let's drink together. As we go out today, be reminded where will we find the presence of God? Our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. He is in us. He is among us. Not just as individuals, he is in us together collectively. We will find him within ourselves and within our community as we speak grace and love to one another. Because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so, Heavenly Father, it is in you that we trust, even though the mountains might be thrown into the sea and the foams might the waters might foam and roar and they do give us strength and encouragement we say thank you for the sacrifice of jesus the strength he gives us and the forgiveness of sins it's in his powerful name we pray